outside. What is that? Monster X Radio listeners, this is Gunnar Monson. We're back with another episode of Monster X. Um, joining me today in the discussion is uh, Shane Hardcore Corson and Julie Wrench. Shane and Julie, how are you? Hey, pretty good. Doing good. Doing good. Good. Doing good. 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 I do want to remind people that you can go to www.squatchcoffee.com and get yourself some delicious Squatch coffee. Uh, Sasquatch Coffee. Have you tried it, Yeti? Shane, some exciting news in in that relates to the subject of Bigfoot. Not directly, but but we can see the tie-in really easily. Uh, new species yeah. of orang uh, orangutan found. Let's talk about yeah. that a little bit. Yeah, and, uh, now named Tapanuli uh, orangutan. Um, yeah, it was discovered in Sumatra, and uh, this uh, news was just released uh, to the public. It, it basically, science, scientists have discovered a new species of orangutan. It's got an estimated population of roughly 800 individuals um, uh, living in the Sumatran mountains. You know, and of course, we know Sumatra. If you listen to the show or follow us, you know, you know Sumatra is known for, you know, Malaysia in general for the orang pendic, another cryptid uh, possible primate that uh, is said to inhabit the areas. Uh, Cliff Berkman, um, uh, Adam Davis, and uh, Jeff Meldrum have been, you know, very interested in this um, orang pendic. Now, we got something uh, distinctly different, you know, in this orang um, that was found, uh, you know, basically in 1997 there was um, rumors that there was, you know, this uh, isolated population um, living in remote jungles, um, it was a complete myth, you know, so science didn't pay, pay any attention to it, it was a complete myth, um, and then many years later, it was it, it proven that there, yes, indeed were orangs, orangutans, living in this area, in this isolated population in the jungles, um, in the mountain, and uh, I believe 2013, there was a skull discovered, and the skull was different from the other orangs, so they knew they had something, and now, uh, I guess, They've done their due diligence and gone through the scientific method and have proven that they have a unique and different species of orang compared to the Sumatra orang and the Malaysia orangutan, you know, in Indonesia. So it's, it's completely new. And up until the, the, the Tapanuli orang, this new orang species, uh, was described, there were only six official species of non-human grade ape. Uh, and that includes the chimpanzee, um, two species of gorilla, the mountain, and, and of, course, of course the lowland, uh, the bonobos, and uh, two species of orangutan, that being you know the Borneo and uh, Sumatran. And so now you have this seventh, and it's it's truly exciting news. It's um, because science. Well, why is this? Uh, yeah, why is this a big deal? Yeah. It is. I mean, it is a big deal. But why? It, why is well, it me, a big deal? Yeah. Let me, let, me quote a, um, let me quote something uh, from a Newsweek article on this. It is especially surprising that scientists were able to find this species of ape because apes are among the most well-studied animals on this planet. After 200 cumulative years of research on great apes, scientists have somehow missed this entire species. Mm-hmm. I think that says it all right there, and that's in a Newsweek article. We... Science and, and humans in general are very arrogant, I find, that mm-hmm. we seem to know everything. Uh, we've discovered everything, and, and, of course, when he has something like this, well, how do you explain that? You know, uh, I, there's plenty of mysteries yet to be found, and including 
the uh, phenomena of Sasquatch, which I know to be real. That Sasquatch are out there, and I feel that it is some sort of ape, some sort of primate. You know, that's just my personal opinion. And, uh, and it, it, like these um, remote and small uh, numbers of orangs that have now been proven to be a distinct species, um, you know, why, why couldn't Sasquatch be just something similar in, in remote areas and pockets, small individuals, orangutans, uh, you know, give birth every eight years. That, that helped that, they're, they're, you know, so there's going to be small populations of them and they're going to be endangered. And this primate, this new Tapanoli orangutan, is now the most endangered um, ape on the planet. And it's just discovered. So mm-hmm. could Sasquatch be in the same boat? Who knows? Well, that's one of the one of the the challenges with that is their environment. They're the in Sumatra, they're tearing down forests left and right and putting up uh, palm oil farms. So that is encroaching on their their habitat uh, greatly. It, it's effect, it was affecting the other two uh, known species of orangutans before this. So yeah, it's 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 a big deal. There's I mean we just found the new species of uh, and and uh, it's the again it's the smallest number of of this species of, of orangutans uh, or any uh, ape on the planet that that are confirmed. Yeah. Yeah. And and uh, you know there's a lot of stuff you know as a, a, a Sasquatch researcher or investigator or enthusiast you can take away from this particular find. You know. These orangs are found in a single high elevation forest. Um, what's the name of it? Uh, I could get I could totally screw this name up. I think it's called a Batang Toru, something like that. But it's found in, in one spot at a certain elevation. And if you take that away, I'm sure uh, you know they go extinct. You know, and like I said, um, you know they give birth every eight years. I think Sasquatch is probably quite similar. And um, orangutans are fairly solitary. You know, they're they're very very intelligent. Um, you know, uh, something you pointed out to me in an article, Gunner, that I thought was pretty unique and, uh, and poignant is that orangutan males make a signature call that, um, are a lot, that's very loud and it's announced their presence, you know. Um, and, you know, that's something, uh, you know, that we can maybe look at in regards to Sasquatch behavior, especially when it comes to some of these recordings. And, you know, and, and that, you know, like orangs, they're highly, highly intelligent, I believe. So, um there's just a, so much to take from this very interesting and groundbreaking find of uh, this species. It's it's just uh, I'm super happy, I'm super stoked. Well, what I think is interesting too is with the the investigation and research groups that they have over there that actually have the you know the funding to go in there and do long investigations and research you know, detecting these creatures, and it took this long to find them. And then, like here in the States, we don't have even the first group like that out here in our woods and forests looking. So that's, you know what I'm saying? It's like it took them this long, and they have different groups. They have University of Zurich, geneticist Michael Crutens. You know, he's been studying for 10 years, and... This new population really had him confused because the Batang Toro animals were closely related to the Bornea orangs from across the sea than to the orangutans that lived on the same island. So, you know, it took them this long to figure that out. And, you know, it also shows don't you that have the same research and investigation and, and backing for it here to even right, begin to prove they exist, let alone anything yeah. else. Great point. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and there. I mean, it, it, it go, again, it illustrates that real science and confirmation of a species is a slow process. I mean, that and this is. This, I, I'm. I'm. Uh, I lean to to believe that that uh, confirming another species of orangutan it was more widely accepted than confirming uh, the the species of Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> I mean, yeah, we, no, it's that, a bigger, it's a bigger hill to climb, you know. And and like Julie points out, there there, it's almost like science is in denial of of the species, um, you know, that there's not 
they don't want to look in. You talk, listen to Dr. John Bendernagel about it. He, he is very frustrated with science, refuse, their refusal to look at the existing evidence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, Julie brought up great points about the funding and scientists, you know, look how long it took them. That, those are great points. And, you know, I'm not, I'm, I don't have an issue with denial, okay? What I have an issue is science not looking at this um, a little more serious. Quit, you know, see, I think scientists nowadays pay attention too much to social media and online stuff instead of actually getting boots on the ground and looking at it for themselves. Mm-hmm. I'd love to see a funded effort, you know, but, no, they, they pay attention to the, the hoax stories and the news and stuff. I, I, yeah. mean, I must imagine because there is a lot to this. Uh, people are not <laughs> all these thousands of people. Um, seeing the same thing, describing the same thing, having the same experiences. Uh, there's, there's, you know, obviously uh, I'm tainted because I've had a sighting, and I've, for me, I have confirmation. But, you know, if I was a scientist, yeah, I don't know. I, I, I don't, I'm, I'm right with John Bendernagel. I don't get it. Uh, he, he gets it, but his peers don't. And that's unfortunate because um, imagine if they had done this, which I, they probably did with the, uh, this new orang, orangutan. You know, 1997 was a myth. No one took it seriously. Um, and then, what do you know? Here you go. And what what ended up happening? I mean, there 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 actually was a specimen of sorts by a skull being discovered. That and that again, we talk about that. Is that's one of the things it's going to take is is a, right. a specimen, be it be it uh, alive or dead or you know, and dead including skeletal remains. But but until we get there. Science can look at the, the, the hair, the track castings, um, and get in the field and observe for themselves uh, because observation, uh, observing may not prove it, but it may bring funding. And that's right. what you right. need to get, to get that, you know, if they're after a specimen. But they can, can get the funding if they observe and they take the time. Uh, you know, there's been many individuals, but it needs, I really do, it's going to be a group scientific effort um, observing in long term. Like uh, your Diane, you know Diane Fossey and Jane Goodall's uh, being in the field for years and observing, and then writing papers on it and and whatnot, and getting other people involved to observe it themselves, and then writing a peer reviewed paper on this with everything that's included in that fourth peer review. And it it can be done. It can mm-hmm. be done. It just has to be Side done. Five. We have to apply science with to it. The, the, I mean, yeah. a lot of Bigfoot research, and I'm. I'm doing quotation marks, you know, ends up being people going out to have a Bigfoot experience and it's, they're not documenting anything and, and that there is no evidence collected or vetted. You know, there's way too much of that in, in what's called Bigfoot research is that people are going out and having a Bigfoot experience, you know, and even if they do uh, have anything physical to, to bring back, it's not being vetted, and it's being uh, too, it's too easy for people then just to say what I found is Bigfoot, and that's right. that's a challenge to present this, this to science. Well, there's a really cool, I mean, uh, development yeah, and, in, uh, in, in, uh, that does have a, a immediate uh, correlation to Bigfoot research. Yeah, and what we can do as and I've, I recently got attacked for this phrase. People hate this phrase, citizen scientist. But as citizen <laughs> scientist or as a friend of mine put, you know, uh, renegade scientist, um, you know, we, like, we just had Bob Strain on the show. He's, um, he's, we're, we'll, we'll be sharing that episode down the road Good. here. But one of, the, uh, one of the things that the North American Wood Ape Conservancy and the Olympic Project do, two separate groups, but document everything. That's something we can do. That's something science requires is documentation. And uh, uh, Bob Strain is very good at this, and they, you know, catalog everything. That's something we can do right now since we don't have science as a whole um, uh, alongside us, and we don't have the funding, you know, but as investigators, enthusiasts, and whatnot, it's something we can do that, uh, you know, for that day of discovery or that compilation of data we can um, collect. Right, in an organized as fashion and, and vetting that evidence. Yeah, that's that's important. Is is just not a quantity of of you know forest sounds, but forest sounds that have been vetted and mm-hmm. um, put into an interesting 
much, you know, that, that David Ellis with the Olympic project does with that uh, Larry Turner does with, with uh, our group, the Til- the other Tillamook forest research group. So, and that it, the vetting part is, is, is a huge uh, part of, of the science of, of quote unquote Bigfoot research that you actually have to do that part. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So uh, the now we're going to get into the the meat of the the show, which we titled Bigfoot Stinks. But we want to talk about you know that that um, in the, not every not all reports, but in in a number of of eyewitness encounters, a lot of times there is uh, a, a strong odor, very distinct, uh, often described as the smell of garbage and sewage and you know, mixed together uh, in association with a Bigfoot encounter. And let, let's talk, start that. Uh, Julie, why don't you talk a little bit about what we think that might, what might be uh, causing that? What is, why is sometimes that, that present in, in eyewitness reports and other times that it's not? Um, well, uh, that's, that's a good question and great observation on um you know, the people who have a lot of times smelled it before they saw the creature. Um, you know, and we know that some primate, primates do what they call self-anointing, where they take, like, some of them take millipedes and crush them up and spread that on them for insect repellent. Um, then we have the silverbacks who have the scent glands in their armpits, and then we have some documentation of animals and primates maybe using different kind of plants and um, things that they rub upon themselves, or even they use their own urine, and Mm -hmm. they'll put it on the bottom of their feet for different, like, insect repellent, And, and like spider monkeys in Mexico, they actually use that as a sexual attractant to the other, you know, opposite sex, they use the plants. Um, so, and a lot of it seems like down in the southern states is where you find a lot of reports of that smell. So, to think about in the south versus the west coast or up north, the temperature is going to be higher the humidity is going to be higher, and your bugs are going to be more of a problem. So hmm. I'm thinking, you know, and, I'm, and again, that's just hypothesis, though. It could be related to insect repellent. I mean, there there was a report I read many years back where a farmer had seen one of these creatures rolling around in his cow manure pile that he was going to use for fertilizer. And he, you know, he's just completely freaked out because he didn't, you know, he didn't know what that was over there in the manure pile. And then it stood up, and it was an about an eight-foot-tall bipedal creature with long hair. And it took off running. So, you know, there are documented cases where they've been seen doing things like that. Mm-hmm. Oh, uh, could it be an insect repellent? Could it be a, an attractant? Well, and could we have multiple no, I, things going on? Uh-huh. That you know, can they could they have glands like gorillas that that have um, they suspect have a uh, flexible use that where the they are um, depending on what the situation is that the gorillas use those glands for different things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, one thing I want to point out: one of the the four horsemen of Bigfoot, uh, you know, of, of Bigfoot research, John Green, who you know had still has one of the largest databases out there. And, of course, John Green passed away not too long ago, God rest his soul. But one of the things he, he, he was noted as saying was, you know, and I'm sure he looked at his database and all the research he had done, only about 10% of Sasquatch sightings are connected with a strong smell. And so that tells me, and if you go to, uh, you know, comparing it, you know, to, say, a gorilla, um, which I have smelt the smell of a gorilla. It smelled like burnt rubber and trash. Um mm-hmm. I've been to the zoo many, many times and never smelt that smell. And then one time I went there, I did smell it. And the curator, one of the people working there, pointed out that it was the male silverback. And so, you know, with only 10% of the Sasquatch sightings uh, having anything to do with the smell, 
it, to me, that screams that it is something almost turned on and turned off, uh, you know, maybe a scent gland of sorts or something like that when it's, um, it's spooked uh, mm-hmm. or, or excited. You know, adult male gorillas um, have scent glands, like Julie mentioned, in their armpits uh, that produce a pungent odor when excited or stressed. And I, 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 I have to think that if, you know, this smell that is, you know, not predominantly, uh, you know, smelt during a sighting, but occasionally it is, that maybe it's a time uh, when Sasquatch is excited or stressed, or maybe it's something to do with their mating season. I don't know, but there is a comparison there, and with the, with just a small, minute amount of reports of Sasquatch smelling. Um, of course, you know it does take and a, a Sasquatch to have a sighting, but in all these reports, you only have a small amount saying they smelled something. Um, and 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 another thing too is a lot of people will say they smell a Sasquatch but have never observed one. Mm-hmm. And I, I have to kind of laugh at that because um, I, I don't, you know, I, I've been out in the, the field with others and they're like, oh, I, what's that smell? And, and, and they're, you know, well, you know, that smell turns out to be skunk cabbage or something other than a Sasquatch, you know, it could be explained away. And uh, so it's, it's the ones that where a Sasquatch is seen and then smelt. Or as Julie mentioned, with almost like this self-anointing thing where it's rum itself in manure you know um it's it's fascinating but not prevalent in sighting reports right and it it seems like the south like in florida georgia alabama um they they call it in florida the skunk ape because it seems that that smell is you know not all the time associated but I, I believe it would be higher than 10% of encounters in Florida versus Canada, or Canada, 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 where John Green, you know, was taking his reports. So, I mean, there's a reason why they call it the skunk ape in Florida. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, with John Green's reports, I mean, they were compiled from basically just North America in general. But, yeah, I mean, uh, I'm wondering, do you have an idea, Julie? Because, I mean... That's kind of your back, your you know, your stomping grounds, at least your area. Do you have an idea as to, is it maybe uh, the humidity? Maybe it's um, a, dip, a variance in species. Do you got any uh, thoughts on that? Well, I mean, I would, I would think that the humidity down here is so, uh, so high. I mean, this last year, it was almost record-breaking humidity, um, and I would tend to think that, just thinking in general, if you're covered in head to toe and hair and you're living in the swamps or out in the forest, you're going to smell. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like you, you got to wonder with with them going through the swamps what all they have caught up in their hair. Um, and I think that it would lend to say that the, the more humidity, the higher the heat, the, the more chance that you're going to run into to one that has an odor to it right. just for that reason, if nothing, if nothing else. So from personal hygiene to pheromones to self-anointing, I mean, we don't we don't know because we have obviously we haven't don't have confirmation of right. We don't have one to even exist. examine, but right. It would just make sense that the matted hair. There's a lot of reports of matted hair, you know, in the southern states, um, and that would just make sense because. Like for me, when my hair gets wet and I'm out in the the humidity, it, it, it's a hot mess within the first hour. You know what I mean? It's just like sticking up everywhere, and I can't imagine being covered head to toe in that. And then you get wet because you're going through the swamps, and then you then you're in the humidity. It's it's gotta have some type of effect and odor. Yeah, it would be uh, would be interesting to find out. You know how many sightings you know, in the east and the south uh, are, are associated with a smell. Uh, I do think it's higher than what we, we uh, uh, get here in the Pacific Northwest. We do get a tremendous amount of rain, and uh, we don't have those. I mean, we get, you know, one to two weeks a year typically of high, you know, of hot weather. It's usually not hot year-round here, and like I so said, we get a ton of rain. Um, but with self-anointing, it's interesting because, you know, that's something we can look at that's, that known animals that's known behavior within these animals. And, and as you mentioned earlier, Julie, there's 
different uses uh, between these animals as to why they do this. You know, uh, like some some it's for some it's uh, self medication, or like you said, to remove insects and parasites. Uh, some even use it um, as a sort of camouflage or um, as a sort of communication between its uh, species. And then uh, another thing that's known uh, with self-anointing is it's to make uh, the animal poisonous. So uh, a lot of uh, self-defense uh, uses there. Um, and the, uh, what is it, the, the squirrel monkey, uh, you know, I, I think you mentioned this, that, you know, uses its urine, it rubs on the soles of its feet, you know, and uh, so there's, uh, we're talking, I know we're talking about known animals and we're just guessing as to what Sasquatch can do, but Sasquatch is reported to smell periodically, have a pungent odor, uh, obnoxious odor. You know, there, I've been in the woods before and I've smelt, I've smelt some really bad stuff, you know, uh, sometimes I thought, man, there's something dead around here, maybe there was. <laughs> Um, but it's in areas that I like to go in, areas of interest where there's been encounters or I've had experiences, and I've occasionally smelled something. Uh, I usually pass it off because if I don't see what's making it, then I can't claim that that it's a Sasquatch. You know, it could be a dead animal. It could be some sort of plant or uh, yeah, another animal. Yeah, it could be I mean, a lot of different things. Um, <clears throat> and I've, I've read a few reports where people that, like hunters that go to the same areas, from year to year, say a couple years in a row, they would smell that odor, and then the next time they go, they smell that same odor, and then they see one of these creatures. So, and they're thinking in the back of their head, oh, Lord, you know, how how many times have I been that close to one of these things because that's the exact same odor I smelled before, but never saw anything, and just, like you said, just pass it off as there's a dead animal or something going on over here, but a lot of people, the, the hair on the back of their neck goes up after they realize that they smell that same smell in that same area, and then they see a, a creature at that, you know, about third or fourth time or whatever, and it, it would kind of be unsettling, I would think. Yeah. To say yeah. the least. And, yeah. <laughs> yeah, to say the least. <laughs> But, you know, another, another thought, uh, and this just came to me, uh, was, you know, have, have you ever smelt an animal that was injured, say, with a laceration that festered mm-hmm. and it's even oh, gotten yeah. uh, mag- Oh, it's, it's uh, you know, uh, where it's, you know, got the parasites and maggots. It, it is uh, atrocious. Uh, if you ever smelled a dead body, like it's, you know, and I'm talking about, you know, something living that's traveling around. I mean, it's a possibility. I don't lean towards that, but you have to look at all possibilities. Maybe... You know, some of these are where a Sasquatch has been injured, and it's mm-hmm. uh, a wound that that's festering and, and nasty. Uh, and then, of course, we uh, you know we were discussing pheromones, uh, and pheromones is a tricky subject because as much as we think we know about pheromones, we're, we still don't know much about pheromones. You know, and pheromones are basically uh, secreted or excreted uh, a chemical you know factor that triggers a social response in the members of the same species. And, uh, you know, they use it for mating purposes and whatnot. Um, but it's a known thing. But we just don't know. Uh, I think there's a, a lot to be studied on pheromones in general. You know, I don't think, uh, you know, all humans can pick up all pheromones. I, you know, I mean, maybe Sasquatch is giving something off for mating purposes. Or, you know, it has to do with the, the scent glands, possibly, where, it, you know, it gets excited or uh, is, uh, you know, scared. And, and secretes this as it's fleeing away, or it gets caught caught off guard, you know. I mean, it's kind of like, you know, when you get caught in a precarious situation, you start sweating, you know. Um, you just instantly start sweating because you're either freaked out or, or whatever. And uh, maybe it's something similar with Sasquatch where mm-hmm. they're just caught off guard. Maybe it's a younger Sasquatch that's caught off guard, and or an older Sasquatch that's caught off guard or is scared. Or maybe it's, uh, you know, it's... Um, some sort of pheromone, and we don't even know really how pheromones, uh, you know, how we're talking about pheromone use between species. What happens when that pheromone is smelt by something outside that species? What kind of effect could that have on a human? Right, maybe maybe it elicits a fear response. So, yeah, right. So and that, it, I mean, yeah, some of this stuff a, could be completely evolutionary, you know, things that, because um, in the thick forest, or visual sight is going to be more complicated than smell or or hearing. 
So, you know, sometimes a lot of these smells can be a form of communication because it's it's hard to get a visual cue if you're living in a, a forest where you can hardly see 10 feet ahead of you. And I would think that that would be an evolutionary need because, you know, we all know a lot of times that things that happen in, in evolution is, is for a, a, a need that that species has for protection or um, reproduction needs or whatever. So I think visual cue would be something, too, that might be a necessity for something to, for a smell. Well, it may be yeah, that the it, alpha males, it's something the alpha males do to mark their territory. You know, mm-hmm. the, that this is, um, because uh, it's amazing is how long actually scent lasts out in, in a, a woods environment. You know, in a dry, when it's dry, it, um, I've heard, you know, up to two weeks. Is a why? Oh, why don't why do, why don't they uh, come around game cams? Well, how many times are we actually, you know, descenting those a game cam to the nth degree that we think it's you know by the time if they've been around in two weeks they probably smelt it. So I mean they they could use their smell to. I mean we it's it's fascinating just to to have a discussion about the what ifs. Yeah, and I yeah. would say that their sense of smell probably going to be more keen than humans who live in houses. Right. You know what I mean? <laughs> I, would, I would assume that when you have a more keen sense of smell, the other side of that is going to be the, the smell that you would use your keen sense of smell to detect. You know, so there's right. both sides of that, too. Yeah, and uh, I mean the the communication factor that you're just talking about, Julie, is a great hypothesis. It's fascinating because you know we're talking about a, a something you know Sasquatch that has gone undiscovered. What if it was to utilize uh, these glands or whatever this smell um, to communicate? Well, it'd be great undercover. I mean, people aren't going to figure out. You know, they're not going to know what that means, and it'd be a great way to pinpoint other Sasquatches or follow a trail or ward off possibly other other males or whatever. So uh, I think there's a lot to be said about that possibility, you know, uh, whether um, maybe it's in the urine, you know, a, mark, a male marking his territory or whatnot, uh, uh, you know. Uh, and, and, you know, with um, uh, pheromones, you know, it could be excreted. It could be in, you know, it could be in their, their dung or, you know, their feces, uh, you know, that gives off something um, that other animals use that very thing. So... There's a precedent right. for for the communication thing. Um, it's just you know, like Gunnar was saying, another. Uh, it's fascinating to talk about this. Just a lot of hypotheses going around, right. but it, there is. Yeah. No, it's interesting because you think about just with the, a, a species that is as common as a dog. Is I always call when my dog goes out, he's sniffing all. I call it checking the mail. I mean, they're going <laughs> out to you know, and and then he leaves a few letters around. Um, yeah. So, but I mean, it's that's not it's i think it's important to look at known animal behavior and how it might apply to the oh yeah absolutely agree with that that's yeah um where we're looking at we can also look at un behavior that doesn't exist in known animals uh there's no known animals that are, are are known to cloak or travel through portal or uh, <laughs> um right know, there's nothing magical light about their eyes. Yeah. Right. I mean, that's it. Also helps you eliminate what some of the the reports has. Well, that's that's not really since it doesn't occur. It'd be the only animal in nature that has that attribute. Um, you know, this why why are they doing it and how are they doing it? Uh, that that's a good question. But now you start looking at for. Um, other animals that use scent and what? How do they use it? I know that um, when I've been in hot, moist, mosquito-filled environments, that I get chewed up, to, chewed to pieces, and it's very uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So I can imagine that that uh, Sasquatch has has dealt with that in in their environment and has come up with a, a solution. Ours is bug spray. You know, there's there there's they probably don't have bug spray per se. <laughs> no. They 
but they right. they came up with yeah so that probably is one of it this you know self anointing would be uh it just would make sense that they do that to some degree to to protect themselves in their environment from from uh discomfort well, right and you know that that also reminds me of the quote unquote stone giants mm-hmm. of all the times you hear about it up up east, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and those areas, especially the natives used to talk about the stone giants. And they said the appearance was like sort of similar to rock, but it was on hair. So actually I think what they were talking about was dried mud. And which, Yeah, which... Would, would I could see them rolling in, in mud to ward off insects or camouflage. Yeah, yeah uh, Mike Richberg, uh, you know, a friend of ours, uh, he, he, we were talking years back about these sightings uh, in, in uh, Louisiana and the Carolinas uh, uh, in the swamps of these green Sasquatches. They appear to be green almost. And I, if you look at um, sloths, sloths will grow uh, algae on their bodies. It's a whole ecosystem. Exactly. that lives on these sloths, and it's kind of a, a symbiotic relationship. Perhaps, you know, uh, like Sasquatches rolling around in mud or going through the swamps and collecting, um, you know, algae and stuff on them, and it gives off not just, you know, uh, it doesn't just grow parasites and everything else, but maybe it gives off quite a smell. I mean, that's another possibility. Um, though in the Pacific Northwest, you know, we don't have the humidity or the, the swamps um, like you guys have back east and south. Yeah, but you guys have that a lot of that rain, you know. And then you, you smell a dog, a dog that's a damp, stinky dog. What you know, a lot of people said that the smell they smelled was similar to a wet dog that was rolled in trash. <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? So right. a lot of this could be just the fact that anything that's, and a lot of times they say it's a longer hair. You know what I mean? They, a lot of places that. They say the sightings, they have hair that hangs down off their arms, over their mm-hmm. faces, things like that. They're not all just, you know, short-haired. A lot of people see that the creatures have hair hanging down in their face. So when you have long hair and it's getting wet, and you're going to smell kind of like a stinky dog. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, you know, I mean, all animals have a smell. I know bear smell. I know elk smell and deer smell. The problem I have is if Sasquatch is a predator, uh, apex predator, uh, I think animals eventually are going to go, okay, smell that, there's a predator in the area, and they're going to flee. They're not. They're going to be less likely um, to stick around. I mean, I would imagine Sasquatch is not going to be a very good predator if they're smelt uh, right. all the time. So all the that's time, and I, that's the key right there, too, because yeah. not all sightings, they, they say that there was a smell associated with it. So... Again, well, Shane, it your case, back to, is this a voluntary thing, or right. is it um, combination? I'll ask you, yeah. Jane, in your, in your encounter, you, did you have, was there any smell associated with that? No, there was, there was no smell. Um, of course, I was in a tent, and even um, later, there was no smell. Uh, so there was no smell that time that I picked up, so I can't say that I, I can't say that I've ever smelled with that. You were cutting in out a little bit, so. Oh, I'm sorry about that. I said, you know, I've never, no, I, I personally had a Sasquatch smell uh, ever. I, I've never, you know, even during my initial encounter, like I was saying, I've never had Sasquatch, uh, a smell that I can associate with Sasquatch. I didn't smell anything then. I've had odd smells um, in areas, but I can't attribute to Sasquatch because I didn't see a Sasquatch. And so... Uh, if there was a smell during my initial encounter back in 2011, I, I never, never smelled anything. None of us did. In fact, if there was a smell, it didn't linger because we would have, we would have smelt it the following morning. Well, that's so. There you go. Yeah, yeah. There's again. There's it. It seems to be situational. You know, whether it's what what it's attributed to. It's um, and it may be. That that it's attributed to different things at different times. That that sometimes they are secreting something from a gland that that um, 
either to, you know, for whatever purpose, to hygiene issues where they, you know, they haven't had a bath for a while. Um, <laughs> they, uh, to, to uh, the self-anointing where they're using it for a function that they're, you mm-hmm. know, they're wiping something that doesn't smell good to us and it don't smell good to, to whatever, you know, the reason that they're putting on there. They may not, they, they may be using it for insect repellent like other animals do or, or whatever. But um, it's, there are, there are reasons and, and examples again, back to, to me, the key thing is that there's, we're looking at a, a, a behavior or something to report it with associated with Bigfoot encounters and, and why, why might that be? Then why is it, yeah. why is it that some reports include that, it's a, a factor of some reports and, and at other reports, it's not. And yeah, that's why, that's why we're having the conversation. Right. It would be interesting to find out and, and to put all of these, um, sightings associated with smell, uh, and look at the time of year, uh, mm-hmm. when they're happening, if it's happening year round or specifically within a few months, you know, maybe it's a mating thing. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know, just totally spitballing here, but you know, uh, it'd be interesting to, to compile, and look at all those reports, something may, I may work on <clears throat> talking about this, but it'd be interesting to see if there was a comparison, you know, if there was something right. uh, th- during a specific time of year uh, that uh, these Sasquatch are, you know, giving off this smell, uh, though, uh, you know, yeah, I think they're, uh, certain times of year they're going to be stinky <laughs> regardless, um, right. you know. Uh, you know, I mean, have you guys ever, um, you know, speaking of, you know, glands, have you guys ever smelled, a, you know, a dog land, an anal dog land when it's... When it, uh, <laughs> It's an atrocious smell. It is yeah. putrid, putrid. And I've unfortunately, uh, years ago, was helping a woman out at her uh, dog grooming business, just, you know, helping her out and uh, lifting some of the heavier dogs for her. And I've had the opportunity, to, uh, unfortunately, to smell that. And it is putrid. It's something you don't want to be around. Uh, uh, it's, it's bad. I don't even know how veterinarians handle that. Uh, right. it's, it's, it's nasty. Um, it's but, it's you know, right on the same um, category as skunk spray. Yeah, right. You know, yeah. that's strong. It makes your eyes water kind of well, smell. Yeah, well, with a, you know, with a skunk, you know, that, that, that's, um, you know, that's, that's behavior to ward off. You know, that's a defense mechanism, you know, and, and right. you've got to wonder, too, if, if Sasquatch, if that's some sort of, uh, you know, it gets caught up close and personal in a bad spot. And it's a sort of defense mechanism, possibly. I mean, that's another uh, idea. Could it be some sort yeah. of defense mechanism to uh, uh, ward off a person or have an effect on a person? You know, maybe maybe that's uh, something to look at. Well, and that's and, yeah, that could be involuntary as well for them because you know you think that a lot of times they probably see us before we see them due to their. I'm sure more advanced smelling and hearing capabilities. But let's say one's very distracted doing something else, and then all of a sudden you walk up and they see you, and it's just like within 30 seconds all of a sudden you have, you smell this smell. Mm-hmm. So I'm wondering if it's something involuntary or just scared, scared them to death because, I mean, humans are the scariest animals on the planet Earth. <laughs> you know you what I mean? Right. And, mm-hmm. Yeah, and so to them, I'm sure we're terrifying. Um, and it could just be, get away from me. You know, I'm trying to scare you away from me like a skunk would defend its young or defend itself. You know, you kind of got to think, was there, is there um, a female with a child nearby when these things happen? You know, could it be something to do with protection? And I don't remember yeah, there yeah. being any smell associated with the Patterson Gimlin footage. That <laughs> they, no. I mean, huh? Yeah, okay. That that I, yeah. that w- there's a good example of like a, uh, where we suspect from looking at the the shape and size of of the the subject in the film that it may either have been pregnant or or recently have given birth because of because of how girthy. Uh, the subject is, but I don't recall there being uh, a report of, of this kind of smell. The smell that you know that uh, 
I've heard described is it, definitely not something you would want to like pursue. Because oh, I'm going to chase that right. thing and run into that that smell. Um, it it's described as a smell you. I've had people describe it to me as a smell you will never forget once you've smelled it, and and right. how rank that it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, it goes. You know, you'll never forget the smell of something dead after it's been sent out right. for a few weeks exactly. or a couple of days. And, yeah, you'll never forget that smell. But let me ask you guys a question. So, you know, spitballing here again. And but, how many reports can you guys think off of off the top of your head where a juvenile or a young Sasquatch has been seen? And I know those are rare; they're few mm-hmm. and far between. But how many of those reports can you think of, if there's any that come to mind, that were associated with a smell? I can't think of one personally. Yeah, I'm not. I'm drawing a blank. I remember yeah, there being so, a, yeah, Todd Neese having a, a report where he was out re- uh, investigating a, a sighting report and went to an area that that had had this kind of smell, but uh, it and it and that report had to do with with an adult that had been that he, I believe was a fisherman or he was doing. He might have been mm-hmm. rock hounding or something, and the guy looked up and saw this Bigfoot, and it was it wasn't a juvenile. So, right. Well, that's my point. Uh, all the reports that I'm aware of, that I know of, that I've either researched myself or read about, um, have to do with what appears to be adults, uh, whether it's a female mm-hmm. or a male. And I'd venture to say, and I haven't looked at this, but I'd venture to say the majority of them are going to come from the male. Uh, I, I just I got a feeling that the majority of those smells are going to come from, or at least what pe- per, people perceive to be a male Sasquatch. But right. definitely in the adult range, I don't know of any reports of juveniles that smell. Um, uh, you know, and, and there could be a lot of reasons for that, but maybe it is something, you know, as we've been spitballing and hypothesizing to do with, you know, um, a fear mechanism, uh, a mating uh, mechanism, or, you know, or, you know, uh, you know, the adults just smell worse in general because of their size and the <laughs> amount of hair and stuff they got. <laughs> I know, well, I know I the humans smell a lot worse. I in Ohio um, mm-hmm. where this child and his mother and sister that was a little older than him were over by the Great Miami River, and they were walking the trails, and the, the mom and the little girl started heading back, and the boy was kind of following behind. And they got to the car and they looked and realized he wasn't with them. So they went back to down the by the edge of the river, and they saw him standing there, and it was in about six feet away from a juvenile Sasquatch creature, and they were just hmm. staring at each other, and there was absolutely no report of any odor from that sighting. And, you know, the mom saw it, the sister saw it, and then the little boy, you know, he he had to go to therapy because he was so petrified. Traumatized. Yeah, yeah huh. from what he saw. Um, and that was probably maybe 10 years ago or so. But I, I know for, for a fact that, you know, that was a multiple-person sighting. That the child stood there for quite some time staring at each other, but the child did not report any scent, nor did the other two people involved who went back down there to get him. So I got to ask this because I haven't heard this story before. So the mom sees her, her son standing there that close. How did, how did that end up? Did she go down and get him or did he run? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Mom or he grabbed him and, and the, they the, took off toward the car and got in the car and they, I guess they, they went they one way. Pretty shook up. Wait, they went one way and the squatch went a different way or. Well, they went back to the the parking area because there's a yeah. little parking area in this, and then you walk the trails. Um, but you that'd know, be she, freaky. They, yeah, she yeah. she and the child both needed therapy after that because it, yeah. I guess it was pretty horrifying. Oh. But he got yeah. a really good look at this thing, and he said that the nose was flat. Hmm. Well, that always thought it stuck out to me about that nose being flat. But anyway, that's a whole other subject. Um, but <laughs> yeah. there was no smell involved in that, and there was no smells involved in the whole time that they had been down there. And there was a pond over there close by. You know, they, they reported no smells at all during that particular time that they were down there. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, that brings to mind, 
an encounter that the Olympic Project uh, uh, researched uh, several years ago in the Olympics where a family vacationing um, were outside the car and uh, uh, I don't know, I couldn't tell you the yardage, but it was several yards away, um, probably a little bit further than that, but they saw two small, uh, what they thought were bear uh, playing around, and it turned out to be two small Sasquatches, as they described it, very hairy-looking ape things. Um, <clears throat> and they got a good view, and they were frolicking. And when they were made aware that they were being watched, they took off. But there was no, once again, no no uh, smell associated with that encounter. But I have done, you know, uh, research and investigations on, you know, uh, adults, uh, you know, where humans been out, a hunter or a fisherman or a rock hound or someone hiking where they've encountered a Sasquatch, and they have, in fact, you know, had a smell associated with that. Um, some, sometimes these smells um, come before the sighting, and sometimes after the sighting. And so, uh, you, you know, was the Sasquatch, you know, um, already emitting this, uh, either because it was doing what it was doing, or was it freaked out and then emitted it, or having been discovered, did it, uh, you know, put forth this, this, you know, this odor. Um, but I think it is fascinating to think about the fact that not many juvenile signs, at least none that I'm aware of, and maybe some of mm-hmm. our listeners are aware of, of some of them. I'm going to look more into this, but I'm not aware of any small uh, juvenile or infant or whatever Sasquatch sighting of, uh, with the smell being associated. So what do you think that it would mean if it was associated more uh, – more closely with a an adult male. Well, for me personally, um, one I think it's something developed over time. Um, I would look at it as being some sort. Person, I would look at it as being some sort of defense mechanism, or um, uh, you know, uh, caught in excitement or being fearful. So it's something that it's it it you know <laughs> it basically you know. Uh, you know, takes a crap. It, it's just whoa, freaked out. And then, you know, uh, if, if yeah, if you look well, at always, male gorillas, yeah. they do I've the same thing, and that was noted. Yeah. yeah, I've always suspected that when I have my Bigfoot encounter, that there will be a smell involved associated. <laughs> Not necessarily. <laughs> and it won't have anything to do with the Bigfoot. Mm-hmm. I tell you, the one, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, if we look at our, as I was putting in a little, a couple of minutes ago, if you look at humans, just humans ourselves. Uh, Babies don't really smell, but I tell you what, I've been around some adults that are, you know, uh, their bo and the smell things <laughs> yeah. is is horrible. And and that sometimes if you don't take, and I've been around folks like this that just don't really take care of themselves, mm-hmm. and it could be so obnoxious you can't be around yeah. them. The hygiene mm-hmm. right. factor, and and maybe yeah. that's just what Sasquatch we're seeing with Sasquatch is a hygiene factor. But once again, but that wouldn't the, necessarily you know, be associated with adults versus juveniles or or male versus female. Well, not necessarily. What you know, uh, and, and, and again, hypothesizing, maybe the infants and the little ones are taken care of better. You know, they're groomed, mm-hmm. or you know, we're not talking about a. Um, uh, I would imagine the day a Sasquatch is born, it's not kicked out of the the, the group, or or mom leaves them. They're probably groomed, clean, and right. they're going to smell sense. better. Yeah. Whereas you know, you get these <clears throat> these individuals. You know, say there's rogue males, or or you know, or whatever. These individuals or these adults. You know, where they're not upkept. You know, they're they're roaming around. They don't have anybody to clean them or you know, pick ticks off them or whatever. Um, <laughs> right. Uh, well, that's that's they, very interesting thinking, Shane. Because, hmm, hmm, seems to me that now that we're discussing this, it does seem that most of the encounters that had a smell, if you will, was more. It looked more like a grown adult male. Hmm. Yeah. So there, we solved the mystery of Sasquatch. Okay, good. Show <laughs> over. <laughs> no, but this will be the last month's project since. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean a rogue Bigfoot. I can imagine. I mean they're they're so busy just trying to survive and and find food and you know not be encountered by humans that I imagine they're not grooming themselves as well as they should be. And right. you, yeah, it could be associated with. I mean, you know that they probably hunt. So maybe oh, you know, yeah. some of the some of the smell on occasion has to do with they haven't had a bath since they you know stuck well, their finger their hands in the stomach of a deer and pulled out their liver but, and ate it. 
Right. That big, you got to think of, think of those terms, point. too, because they're not sitting at the table, with, uh, you know. Wash it. I'm going to wash my hands. Wash your hands. Dinner. Right. Well, how many, yeah. how many sightings, how many sightings, especially roadside crossings, has there been roadkill involved? That roadkill, who hmm. God knows how long it's been there. And if, if, right. uh, if Sasquatch is opportunistic, like I believe them to be, uh, I think they would almost have to be if they come across a meal, regardless of, you know, the, how many days it's been out there, it could be stinky. Well, Sasquatch is, you know, <laughs> eating this, this roadkill, right. whatever it is. You know, skunk, deer, possum, raccoon. I just got back from um, doing a cross-country trip to Kentucky. I've never seen so many dead raccoons in my life. It was like one per mile. It was crazy. Yeah. So imagine something sitting out there for days, and the Sasquatch like, cool, meal, eating it. Uh, <laughs> the smell from that, and then, of course, uh, you know, what later comes after the meal has been processed, that smell could be uh, quite, quite bad, <laughs> yeah. and maybe that's what we're looking at. Yeah. No, right. Yeah. It, I, I think that I have I, – I tend to lean towards the fact that – or the fact, yeah, because there's so many facts about it. <laughs> I, I tend to, to lean – that word. <laughs> yeah. I, I tend to lean to that it, it – these there's different factors that cause the smells depending on – that it's situational, that that, you know – Sometimes it may be uh, it, uh, uh, all the factors that that we've discussed have some um, bearing on on these reports of stink. Mm-hmm. But all animals have a musk to them. I mean, if you look at that mm-hmm. in the wild, they have a musk to them, whether it's beer or bear, deer, elk, I mean, elk gorillas. <laughs> they, they, yeah, right. they have a they have a musky smell. Um, that could you know, I, I believe Sasquatch probably does have a. You know, if you get up close and personal, it's probably going to have some sort of musky smell. But is it the, the smell, that really pungent, uh, disgusting, trashy, tire-burning smell that people Garbage. associate? Yeah. Is it different? Yeah. I, I tend to think that it's probably uh, different, and maybe it's, some, it's a mechanism for something, uh, you know, uh, given either the season or the experience. It's, for me, that's just what I, I tend to lean towards, but could be swayed in any direction because I know nothing. <laughs> <laughs> right. We. I mean, we're just what? like you can't be. We a don't know. Not, we're just not trying to have, have a conversation about right. possibilities because that's how that's how you learn. Right. Exactly. And this and this whole conversation is is all hypothetical because we or uh, we do not have the answers. We don't have not um, studied one in captivity or yeah. or had the luxury of of studying a carcass. So a well, we don't use the, we don't use the f word. We don't use the F word right here, which is fact. <laughs> That's because, right. Uh, right now, nothing's a four-letter word. Uh, yeah. Yeah. But we would like to hear from our listeners um, yeah. if you want to make comment. comments on this I'm, post about. Comment, comment on this show down below. Oh, yeah. I'm pointing down below. Uh, about your personal experience or your thoughts. Yeah. Um, Why does Bigfoot yeah, stink? Yeah. And have it's you had an encounter that data involved? Collection, so. Yeah. And yeah. did you have you had an encounter that's involved uh, olfactory uh, aspect? So, well, we're just about running up against the clock. This, uh, this is always fun because what you guys don't hear is when Shane and Julie and I get on on a call just amongst ourselves, and we we can have these same discussions for for hours. But uh, yeah, so you get you get you <laughs> yep. get to join in this time. True, true. But uh, we're we're gonna do some more of these kind of roundtables of of talking about different subjects, and and we want want your input. Um, Absolutely. Uh, so, like I said, uh, comment, share your experiences. Uh, if, if you had a, an encounter with a, a Bigfoot that had a, a smell to it, we would appreciate to, to see your input. And uh, I want to thank uh, my co-host, Mr. Shane Corson and Julie Wrench as for joining me today on the well, thanks for having me. very smelly edition of of Monster X Radio, and we yeah, will be back. <laughs> this, we'll be back next week with uh, another episode of Monster X Radio. Thanks everybody for listening. Be sure and uh, check out our website at www.monsterxradio.com, and go get yourself some Squatch coffee. It doesn't stink. It smells really good. I cooked had some this morning. <laughs> www.squatchcoffee.com. Thanks everybody.
joining Monster X Radio. 